A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to How to Cope. Every episode, writer Becky Howard, that's me, and my friend psychotherapist Lucy Clyde will be talking about how we can look after our mental health during the coronavirus crisis and beyond. Because whatever type of pandemic you're having, it's hard on all of us. So let's try and get through it the best way we can by talking. Okay, Lucy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you a sound. Here's a sound. Okay, okay. okay. Do you know what that is the sound of? Tell me. That's the sound of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of my yeah. lockdown. That's your lockdown, is it? The soundtrack to your lockdown. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. It's very good. That says a great deal. Yeah. I think there'll be a, a series when we're, because we're, you know, we're going to get out of this at some point later this year, fingers crossed, everything crossed. Um, and I think there will be certain smells sights sounds there'll be all these different triggers that maybe go oh lockdown and that will be one of them the pavlovian response where you just you have a physical reaction to some kind of yeah thing i'm trying to think what mine might be now i'm gonna have to go and think about it i'm just gonna have to clarify that wasn't beer <laughs> no 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 it wasn't it was no 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 that was that was non that was a non-alcoholic beverage i can see it yes. uh, uh we, we are we are talking to each other via video link i can see that and and that's particularly important to note because what people won't know is that we are recording before 11 a.m on a weekday <laughs> so she, she isn't she isn't drinking yeah. beer in a thank cupboard. you i just want to establish, establish <laughs> things haven't gone that low <laughs> that we aren't talking about mental health but one of us is sliding <laughs> so far away way that she can no longer be reached that is not happening yeah good. which is good which is good so we're talking today to jake tyler who is a mental health campaigner and uh now an author isn't he lucy do you want to talk about jake a bit he is um it's it's a walk from the wild edge it's it is. a book I'm holding um, it up now. Yeah, she's holding it up. Um, and it's 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 a really, really lovely read. Um, and it's it's about uh, Jake who finds himself in a really terrible state uh, mentally and psychologically. And it's how he pulls himself up out of that. And he um, he takes the very unconventional approach of deciding to walk around Britain. Yeah. Um, having never done anything like that before. And it's a story about his adventures on the road and how he feels and how he copes and very much his kind of his path to 
finding a new way of of being who he is that isn't he was he was quite self destructive at the beginning and he sort of finds a way through that and it's it's really really lovely it's really beautifully observed and and um really really relatable actually yeah yes yeah, it's great that was something yeah. that really struck me um that i i will obviously mention to him um and there's a lot of humor in it as well oh, it's really funny it's really funny it's really humorous it's really accessible it's you know really relatable and i think you know a, a lot of us have sort of been there you know been where where he was and I, you know it's it's always really great to hear other people's experiences of that I can I can honestly this is you know we are now IT experts which involves <laughs> just saying restart your computer and uh, yeah, yeah that's basically it when in doubt turn it off and on again you know that's, that's all you ever need to know it always yeah. works yeah, yeah. it's still yeah. true it holds up hello Jake really nice Hi. to see you yeah lovely to meet you both Lucy you're in some sort of Sort of weird gazebo, like one one person gazebo thing. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Everyone asks this. I'm I'm in a tent. I'm in a yeah. homemade tent. It's it's a you know you can relate to this. I'm sure, Jake. Yeah, I was uh, going to say. Yeah, is this for me specifically? <laughs> Does me feel welcome? It's a reference. Yeah, I feel like uh, I should have put my tent out. No, it's a laundry area with a with a spare duvet over, and it's to basically mix, stop. It's to stop the sound sounding too echoey. That is and genius. Thank you. And Becky, and Becky's setup is really impressive. She's in a tiny yeah. cupboard. So she squeezes okay, herself. With all that, that sound-proofing yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've got a bit of a spaceship. She can't vibe stand going up in there, Jake. She can't stand up in there. She risks deep vein thrombosis every time she gets in that thing. <laughs> Let me tell well, you. It's the, price, it's the price to pay for your art, isn't it? It really is. Do you know what? It, it is such a conversation starter that I actually feel we, we ought to pre-warn people when they're coming no, don't, on. Don't, don't do it. It was just a really sort of weird surprise. I feel so inadequate just with my little bare, you know, bare wall behind me. We both sound good, so it's Thank obviously you. working. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you know what, Jake? We, uh, when Lucy and I were talking about, you know, kind of questions and how we want to ask you, the biggest problem for us has been there's so much we want to talk to you about in terms Great. of, of I'm mental health. To do. Yeah. Well, yeah, the rest of the day <laughs> following a long podcast. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, I think what... long, long, long form. Long, long, long form. But I think what we what we meant is because there's just so much in your book. And um, you know, you just you cover so much and you do it in such a a particular way um I mean I have to just say right now that I I loved it I oh, really loved much. it and I would I would that's really lovely to hear oh thanks. you're so welcome uh, but more than that I would I would absolutely recommend it you know it's 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 a really it's such a great exploration and you know conversation about what you know about your you know your both your literal and and emotional journey it's it's oh really, thanks so much yeah. I, I mean it's, it's really great to hear that because you know, I'm not an author. I've, I'm barely a writer. Um, you know, I, when I was out doing this thing, I just wanted to sort of keep my friends and family in the loop of what I was doing and, and to maybe share some thoughts along the way. Um, but I really, you know, it just it just so happened that my, my now agent got in touch over Twitter and said, you know, your writing's actually kind of 
kind of unique and kind of nice and, and the story's great and would you, would you, do you fancy writing a book? And, you know, the first draft was just a, just a mess. It, was, it took about a year and a half to write and I'd, I'd look back on it and, I th- and I could see who I was reading at the time because I don't, oh, I don't have influence. my own style. You know, I was like, okay, so I was, I was reading The Goldfinch at that point and oh, okay, right, okay, yeah. I was reading this at this point. And, yeah. um, and so it just kind of felt like I was you know, just a kind of Frankenstein of about four or five different authors that I really like. And I was really, really struggling with it. And it, it took it took the first lockdown to happen for me to have nothing else to do with my time but to sit in front of a computer and, and work it all through. And the second the second draft, I really, I feel like I really found my flow and my voice and, and I was able to make it all a bit more consistent. I mean, I, I still think I read the audio book um, couple of weeks ago and and when I was reading that I still kind of felt like okay so when I wrote this bit I was in this state of mind and when I wrote this bit I was in, in this state of mind I found myself being really critical of that because well you it's know, you it, it, isn't it it's your personal it is, experience yeah. so you are going to be everyone is going to be more self-critical I think than you would if you were reading someone else's yeah um but it's interesting you say that about about it took you the lockdown the first lockdown to find your voice because one thing I would definitely say is you you have a, such a strong, unique individual voice in this book. And that really, really comes across brilliantly. And so I think great. it's actually, I think that's one of its, one of its biggest strengths is, yeah. you know, I'm talking to you, for the, we're talking to you for the first time right now. But having been reading your book for the past few weeks, um, it's called A Walk from the World Edge. But we have mentioned that, we'll mention it again. Um, I felt like I knew you. And I think oh, wow. when you're writing a personal story like that, that's what you want as a reader you want to feel that connection with the author otherwise mm. you know you d- you don't get as invested do you no of course not yeah no that's that's again that's so lovely to hear and that's that, that makes me feel really happy but also very nervous at the same time because you know it's I've, I've been sort of putting putting myself out there in terms of you know my mental health and who I am for a few years now um and while while some would probably say that I've been incredibly honest and and um uh, and sort of haven't pulled any punches when it comes to my own mental health and that sort of thing. I've never actually sort of cracked myself open and spilled myself out mm. in quite in quite this amount of, of detail. And there's that there's that part of me still that, that feels like I'm, you know, I'll be left open to judgment. And there's something uniquely exposing about talking yeah. about your mental health, actually, as well. I mean, that's the thing is, it's it, there are so many other things that are much much easier to talk to. But when we talk about that level of internal personal pain and suffering it's it's really hard to do and obviously you know I'm a therapist and um you know people find it hard to open up when there's just one person in a room with a closed door um so what it takes to put it down in on paper is really something um I was wondering you know if kind of for the benefit of anybody who might be listening who hasn't read your book if you could maybe tell us a little bit about what it was that made you decide to walk around Britain yeah um well I should, I should probably say first that um that was that was a decision I've never thought of doing anything like that before I'm not an endurance yeah. athlete <coughs> excuse me um, by nature uh I was I was very much a kind of city guy living a city life with a city job with city bad habits you know um you know very very kind of sporty and outdoorsy as a kid but um you've lost it a bit hadn't you yeah I'd lost lost it and you know as you get older you I think I think you do because life becomes you know the 
minutiae of life just becomes so you know all all um all consuming yeah. and um and you know i i found myself coping with the stress of that with the thing that was at my disposal more or less all the time so i was running a bar in east london i've been doing that for a long time in in brighton as well and uh my coping strategy involved largely um the stuff that was behind the bar and uh and the stuff that my dealer would bring to me and um and you know it doesn't take a genius to recognize that those are pretty uh temporary solutions and um and i i basically thought that um and I had done for a very long time that there was like a, a weird character personality defect with me. Like I, I, I never really tried to, I tried to explain it once to my mum actually years and years ago. Um, I felt like I, I sort of came and went in waves. My personality was here and then it left. And when it was here, I felt like a really, a really great version of myself. You know, I was really confident. And I, I really enjoyed being around people and I felt like I made people laugh and, and when my, my personality left, it sort of happened in this this wave thing. And, and when I was when my personality left, I wasn't any of those things, and I was really sad all the time. And I, I actively, you know, took myself away from all those things that I really enjoyed about myself. And um, you know, I never I never thought that for some reason I never thought that this was a, a, a thing that could be like diagnosed or fixed or anything. Mm. I just mm. I just thought this was one thing that was really specific to me. And so I'd always had that. And all of that sort of came to a head while I was running this bar in um, in London, and I, uh, I I went through the worst the worst period of, of mental ill health that I you know I ever did. You know, it wasn't just that um, my personality had left and I was sad for a bit. I, I really didn't think there was a there was a way out of, of how I was feeling, and um, I came very close to taking my own life, and. Um, it was a sort of critical pivotal moment where a sort of rock bottom moment where I reached out and um, ended up calling my mum who sort of bought me a day and then she helped me. She works in in mental health and, you know, she loves me also, I think. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, Those two things were great. Yeah, that's a good combination, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Having a rubbish time. Yeah. 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 Um, And so... And so in the end, I, I, I was sort of too poorly to, to carry on working and um, uh, went home, you know, to, to sort of lick my wounds and get better, I suppose. Um, and uh, but before I did that, I, um, I, did, I did go and see a therapist. You know, mum mm. got me to, to see a therapist. And she started talking to me about depression and, and what it was. And I was just, oh, God, I feel like I've... I feel like I have this, you know, I feel like I've had this for a really, really long time. And, you know, just as the, the phone call with my mum sort of brought me a couple of days there, this conversation I had with this, this um, cognitive behavioural therapist mm-hmm. just sort of, sort of made me realise a few things. And, um, and although, you know, it, it would take a little while to sort of recover from, from that all time low place that I was in. I, I sort of had a little bit of something there. I was just like, okay, this is, I've heard of this. Like people, people go through this. This is a thing. And then I went. I went home and I spent a couple of weeks just, just not even, <laughs> just being a, a, a lump of meat in in my mum's. My mum lives on a on a boat in rural Essex, and it's like rehab. It felt like rehab. 
and I, but I, I still felt like a kind of slave to it. I still felt like I was really just existing and not really doing anything about it. And and I guess I'm I'm lucky in the fact that I'm the sort of person that if, if something becomes my life and I'm not happy with it, regardless of whether it's, it's a feeling or a, cir- a circumstance or a situation I'm in, I'm the sort of person where I just get to a point where I get really frustrated with it. Like, oh, bollocks, I need to go and do something else. Like, let's, mm, and mm. I got I got so sick of just feeling the way mm. I was feeling and, and just sitting on the sofa watching not the space between me and the TV, you know. And um, nothing was really working. And then I started taking these walks with the dog and, you know, very slowly but surely, I'd start to see these sort of incremental changes in me, you know, just like a... Um, you know, just like a kind of sense of wonder of where I was and an appreciation of, of nature. and Well, it's something just... you say a lot in the book. Um, you have this really good passage where you talk about nature as magic mm-hmm. and, oh, and the God, effect yeah. it has. And, the, and that's something I definitely want to talk to you about today um, in a bit more detail, which is really about um, how important it's been to all of us during the pandemic. Um, because it's been the only kind of respite we've had from lockdown. Yeah, walk, walking's become very fashionable. Exactly. It, I know all these all these Johnny Come Latelys coming yeah. to the walking. I don't, I don't want to say it's because of my book, but yeah, it's yeah a bit yeah. of a coincidence, isn't it? A bit of a coincidence. <laughs> well, don't, yeah. You yeah. don't want. I, I know you don't want to say that. Can we just say I, I invented walking and then just draw a line yeah. under that? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. No, every yeah until <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's until just, you like, did your walk a couple of years ago. We were all like you know kind of crawling around. No idea. Yeah, what yeah, to exactly. Do. Yeah, yeah. God, God, I'm great, aren't I? I've really sorted <laughs> us all out there. What I even really loved is the the way you write about when you started when you you know you taken this decision to do this walk you you done some fundraising um you know from friends and family who would all put you know to help you to help you do it hmm. but is that you weren't this you weren't brilliantly prepared you you weren't this sort of person that was going to like absolutely nail it you were very human and and also the kind of mess ups that you made right at the start I yeah. just because I wasn't expecting that in the book you know I was oh, maybe I'm expecting glad, more of a linear were. journey and right, actually that okay. made it much more relatable as a as a person to go yeah we all do stupid yeah. things and like yeah. we we go out and get really pissed on a night that we really shouldn't you know because yeah. we'll feel like crap in the morning but we're all pulled away by the kind of moment you know mm. well it was it was um, really important yeah. for me so sorry to just cut you off there yeah, it was, it was yeah, really important for me to to show that it wasn't this um yeah, I really didn't want it to be this kind of squeaky clean triumph over adversity story yeah, where I was yeah. listening at the first and then all of a sudden I had this awakening and I just yeah. and I changed overnight like I'm I'm incredibly flawed throughout the whole book and I and I, I try really hard to you know there's you know, well, I kind, I guess, yeah. If it, if it comes across that way, then great. Right. I mean, I, 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 uh, I mean, self-deprecation is is my go-to does. a lot it of the does. time with, with with things, and and hopefully that comes across. And 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 yeah, I, like yeah. I said, I didn't want it to be this um, this thing where you know it's like this ultimate success story. Um, you know, that could be that could be written like a film. You know, because people won't relate to that. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day what I'd really love is for people to pick up this book and see themselves in it because I'm not with the idea to, to walk around Britain. I, I still think it just sort of fell out of the sky. It was some sort of in divine intervention that happened. Like I was out walking the dog and the dog made me laugh and I started looking around me and I thought, this is great. I'm going to go for a big walk. I just want to be outside all the time. 
and and just you know something just there flipped. it is mm. and there it is and and you know I'd never thought about doing anything remotely like that before in my life but I felt so deeply that that was that was what I was destined to do it's it was a really really bizarre day it's so it's so it's so intense and amazing and weird isn't it but yeah but it did and it, the the end result is is obviously personally it it has transformed your life yeah and then and now now obviously everything you've done and experienced is now out there for the rest of us to mm. kind of can you know to enjoy and to and to relate to um which is which is fantastic yeah very strange as well I remember I remember at the time telling a few friends that I was going to do this and you know the type of friends that I have sort of you know would take the piss out of me for it and scoff at it and, and be like what are you playing at and and I love that I love I didn't want to prove anyone wrong I didn't want I didn't want to sort of show anybody but I just wanted to amuse them that I was doing this you know it was like I've got I've got a load of mates who, who are like me and if any of them decided to do something like what I did yeah. I'd be like what you know and um and so it was really important to me to to you know throughout throughout the the telling of the story that I you know that I I'm not yeah you know, I I did this for a year you know I lived in a tent walking around Britain for a year and I don't know I don't know anything about berries I I'm lost without a map I I didn't pick anything up along the way and I just and I balls up constantly no but it's true though like and I I didn't I, I didn't fun. you know I ended up getting in these kind of situations that only a city person would get into. You know, I got to Swansea and I stayed with this guy for like three days and we took a load of speed and, and, and Is it was like so. Is that the bar? Yeah. See, I feel yeah. like, I love this. Is, this is great. Like, I, I've just got to tell you this quick story. So I, I wanted to, I needed to get hold of him to make sure he was all right with me writing him into the book. Right. And, um, and I had to do that with a few people. And he, yeah, course, the only yeah. thing I knew of him, I tried to call him up. I did have his number, but his number wasn't in use anymore. So, okay, how am I going to, all I know is his name was Jamie and he lives in Swansea. And and I just, I was just like, okay, well, I, that's at least I can start there, you know, Googling and Facebook. And it's just like, uh, this is just, isn't happening. You know, there's, there's, there's a million people called Jamie and probably about 20 of them look a bit like him. So, yeah. so in the end, so I was like, okay, I'll just get on Facebook and just sort of last act of a des- desperate man. We like post a really sort of grainy selfie that I took with, with me and this Jamie guy a few years ago. I was just like, look, this is, this isn't going to work, but. That's I'm fine. looking for this guy. I need I need to find this guy. His name's Jamie. He lives in Swansea. This is roughly what he looked like three years ago. Can let's try and find him. And I was on the phone with him in an hour. Amazing. It was mental. Like it got shared so many times. Wow. And and people and you know and people and there was people called Jamie who lived in Swansea who looked like him going, uh, yeah, is it me? I'm like. <laughs> Nah, I can't nah, remember. I don't, I don't think it is you. And then, and then the little comment popped up, and I knew it was him. I was like, oh, "Dude, send me a message." And then he sent me a message, and I was like, "Give me a number." I called him up, and it was just so amazing to talk to him. Um, and uh, but yeah, anyway, so I've, I've gone off track there a little bit. But no, yeah, no. It, it was. Um, it was. I was living. I was doing this thing like this kind of wilderness rambler adventure thing. But as a as a city guy, and I think that's what I really want 
people to you know that that's that's going to be the difference between you know you read an inspiring story yeah. you know you know david goggins or or you know these yeah. these okay so there's there's plenty of them these adventure athletes who take on these absurd challenges and it's a really amazing thing to but it's to, so to, beyond the realm of yeah. what most of us feel that we're capable of and that's exactly. why i some well certainly i'm guilty of yeah. you know i don't know that guy you're talking about but other examples i'll be like yeah great but i don't really engage because i'm like yeah you know i'm not like that your mm-hmm. book felt felt you know very very different did it make um, you feel like you could do it maybe uh no really? <laughs> I, I, no i'm not I quite, like, I, I quite like people to read it and think like god if that guy can do something like that and 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 do you know what make, it make a hash of it like he did i would <laughs> make I'm... a hash of it but you know what actually and this is totally off topic um so i don't really need to go but i think just because i'm a woman i don't think it's it's possible from a what, personal safety point of view absolutely badly. i i um i walked with uh i walked with a few people you know a few of these like kind of walk you know bump into these ramblers yeah. periodically throughout the thing and when I was in, in Pembrokeshire Coast, I ended up walking with this this woman um, who was doing the Pembrokeshire Coast path, which I think is 190 odd miles for charity. And I remember we'd set up our tents one night and it was a particularly, you know, the sunset was just perfect. And it was just like, oh, God, this is great. Mm. And I said to her something, I said something like, um, you know, isn't this just amazing, the life we're living? You know, we can just walk all day and then when we finish walking, we stop and we set up our tent and that's it. And it's just so simple. And she said... Um, mm. Yeah, the only difference between me and you is though, if I walk all day and I set up my tent somewhere and a man walks past walking his dog or something, I have to pack it all up and move on. And it, it was, it made me really like yeah. aware, aware of my privilege that, that I, the, the main yeah. reason that this is possible is because I'm a six foot bloke. You know, I wouldn't be able to do this if, if I was a woman. It would be, it would be a terrifying thing to do and, and and something that I found so freeing and so liberating and so good for me could could end up actually probably being a, a bit of an ordeal potentially even even if nothing happens the, the, the thought of yes something there's a pretend- there's a whole other yeah yeah this is it's a it's a mindset that I I don't know and I hadn't acknowledged to that point and there's it was, it was really yeah it, it yeah. sort of really woke me up to, to the yeah. privilege I have as a bloke to to be able to do something like that um and and yeah, it was, you know, I, I was kind of aware of, of that while I was writing the book as well. It was like, okay, am I being, am I being inclusive here? And and in the end, I just had to figure out, well, you know, I, I just have to write it for, from from my perspective, and and hopefully people can get something from it. And if if they can't, they can't. But but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's um, it's not it's not something that could really be possible if you're a female. I mean, no, but there are there are translatable aspects of of what you did. Um, and you know, obviously, that Becky. I mean, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't, you know, for a personal safety point of view. And there is all that that layer of fear yeah. um, that you know just steepens the gradient of everything. To be honest, you know. But the thing is that I think, you know, that sort of that moment of epiphany that you had when you're with the dog and you realise that this is working for you and this is something that you need to do. Those flashes of insight. I think are really powerful things. And I don't think they come to us that very often in a lifetime. Um, But I think when they do, they are almost too powerful to ignore. And I think that, you know, you writing the way that you did and talking the way that you did, which is so kind of honest and jokey and, you know, all of that good stuff. I think what it does show is actually that we, 
we yeah. all have that capacity to listen to that when it have when it happens and the fact that you you know you you took such decisive action and you changed your entire life because you realized mm. very well that it just nothing in there was working for you at all that every single bit of your life had just stopped working and was making you iller and iller and iller and that's something that any you know that everybody can take away and i think an awful lot it's a place i think a lot of people have been I, I get messages quite a lot from people who've like I, I did a TED talk um while I was actually doing the walk they invited me down so I took the, the National Express down to Brighton from Inverness which took about 17 hours <laughs> oh, to do God. this te- to do this TED talk and then went back and back and just was in it you know it was at the Brighton Dome it was sort of 2,000 people there how surreal absolutely bizarre and then and then I had to get back on the National Express with all the coffers and and the (laughs) and the you know what I mean and then go back up and then just like sleep in a tent again it was like (laughs) did that actually happen but no I did I did this TED talk and and um I was so pleased with it and and it's it's been seen so many times and I get lots of messages from people about it and the thing the thing that I find really great is when when people have heard what I've said and have and have interpreted it in their own way. You know, I love it when people get in touch with me and they say, mm. "Oh, I've started walking or I've started running." Yeah. That's great, but I, I I love it more when people get in touch with me and say, "Like that thing you did, you know, you found something," and then and then it's it. Like I've I've started making quilts or I've started doing this. I've started doing that, and they've mm. interpreted it in their in their own way. Like I I really love yeah. that because I know that those people really get what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to tell everyone to get out and and walk 3000 miles or, or or even walk at all it's about listening to what you need and giving yourself more of that and and giving yourself less of mm. of the stuff that's getting in the way or, yeah. or making everything complicated thinking about the walking thing that we kind of touched on um a, a little while ago the um in terms of what it is doing for us right now um because obviously we you know we've had a year of of this global pandemic which has you know taken away all of our freedoms that we took for granted but the one thing we have been able to do in a limited way you know unfortunately we haven't been able to go all all around you know escape the cities if we're in cities or whatever but we've been able to walk um and how have you found that have you still been able to use walking in the more limited fashion um that we we can to help with your mental health over the past year and and the challenges of covid yeah definitely definitely i mean i'm really fortunate that i live in such a picturesque place i'm I'm back in brighton now yeah so i've I've got the um you know the seafront there I'm, i'm in i'm right off the beach um and, uh, and only a 20 minute walk from the next town over, which is Ovingdean. So there's this really beautiful cliff walk, you know, you walk at the base of the cliffs. Um, so, so I, I do that a lot. And we're also um, just, uh, just a 15 minute drive away from the South Downs, you know, from Devil's Dyke, which I guess is probably a little bit naughty, but it's mm. not too far. I don't no. think. And, and so we, you know, we go into the Downs quite a lot and, and, and walk around there. And yeah, it's, it was weird actually because we actually I was I was traveling with my partner just before uh, lockdown happened and we 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 were in Malaysia oh when wow they, when they locked down and so it was quite interesting we we were sort of keeping abreast of what was going on over here and so was that before the UK before yeah before yeah just, last just March before, yeah yeah wow. it was February um and we were in Kuala Lumpur and they uh they decided to lock down in Malaysia 
and they uh, they put in a, something called a movement control order, which meant that you couldn't actually leave the place you were in to go somewhere else, even if you were traveling. Oh, wow. And so, and so the people that we'd met along the way, who we'd stayed in touch with, you know, who were, who were somewhere else in, in Malaysia, they couldn't actually get to Kuala Lumpur to, to fly home. And these people were, were basically locked down in, in Malaysia the whole time. And so we were really fortunate that we were in the capital. Um, and we were sort of keeping abreast of what was going on back here. And, you know, the, the rugby scrumming for bog roll and, and just, and it was every, it was, it was everything we wanted to get away from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, this is why, this is why we've, we've, we've gone away. This is why we've run away from that place. Just rubbish. Um, And so, but they, they put in this um, thing and, and straight away at something about Malaysian people or, or, or just, or, or <laughs> I don't know, the clout of the government over there or something, but everyone just fell straight into line. And Kuala Lumpur, which is one of the busiest cities in the world, was just ghostly. It was just nobody about. And it was like, mm. we were in this, we were in this hotel and got a knock on our door at eight in the evening saying, yeah, you've got to leave. And we were just kicked out of the hotel. We had nowhere to go. We, to just go we just instinctively went to the airport and just sort of slept in there and then tried to find somewhere wow. else to stay and managed to find this other place. And we just really didn't want to come home because of what, you know, how people were reacting to it over here. And at the time, we only thought this was going to go on for a couple of weeks. Well, we all did, Yeah, And so we were like, okay, well, let's just, let's just hang, hang, hang tough here for a little bit. And then that hotel said it was going to close. But the, the, the really, the, the thing that started to get a little bit like, okay, maybe we, we should just go home is um, we would get, we'd leave our, our hotel to go and get food, which is the only reason you could. And every single time the police would come over and it was, it was really sort of That's terminated, you, you, you know, they had a, a mask on and like a kind of thing. It was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it was really dystopian <laughs> and it was just like a, a little bit scary. And So it started, the atmosphere changed, obviously. Totally. Quite and, and it was, and in the end it was like, okay, we should, we should probably, we should probably go home. So we, we flew home and then the very next day, Boris locked us down. And, um, and, so, and then, yeah, so we spent three months, four months um, with Jordan's parents, uh, Jordan's mum, sorry, and her, and her husband. And, uh, and, and to be honest, like we were really like traveling's great and it's really fun, but it's really exhausting. So the walking didn't happen that much when mm. we first got back, we mm. sort of embraced all the home comforts that we'd sort of secretly been missing while, yeah. while being, yeah. while being away. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, I mean, it, it was, you know, we'd, we'd yeah. get out eventually cause they're, they're in Derbyshire and, but yeah, um, walking, walking has been, and will continue to be my my sort of go to and running as well. You know, running is just I kind of I feel like it amplifies the effects of of walking for me. You know, walking is a good way to clear my head and um, and just sort of take myself out of an environment and be mindful of my surroundings and try and feel like I'm in the moment rather than my mind being in the past or in the future. Um, one of the things I was kind of really interested in from your perspective as well is that kind of we know that it tends to be and I hope you know I'm generalizing slightly here but um it tends to be a bit harder for young men to talk about their feelings and their mental health and obviously that was you uh and I certainly wondered you know how you would approach that now like if you kind of were aware that a young man was struggling with his mental health what would you say to him Um, how would you well, you, firstly, you, I think, think I think a lot of what makes it quite difficult for young men to to be open about 
um, their mental health is the is the threat of ridicule, and it's you know you, toxic masculinity is is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want an example of it, you go and spend an afternoon with teenage boys. It's it's something that happens very very early. You know, rid- ridicule for 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 doing for doing or saying things that aren't within the the realms of narrow parameters yeah 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 exactly of, yeah. of bravado yeah. and of um of of being of being kind of cruel and finding it funny and and all these types of things and so it's something that that, yeah. that a lot of young men go through even if you aren't in that sort of group at school if you're not in that sort of group then then you probably have to do quite well to to hide from people like that because you'll probably be a target for those types of people um and it's not mm. something it's not something i th- i think can can change it's just that much a part of being a, a a young boy i agree and i'm you know i'm i'm nodding vigorously because i've got my eldest child is 13 uh, mm. my son and so i'm really you know i'm really on this i'm really conscious of this because he's not one of those laddie boys mm-hmm. um but you know it, that will is already starting to affect him but what i think is different and I'm saying this obviously from a perspective of a parent who's looking at at someone in that generation is the willingness to talk maybe not with those boys maybe not within his peer group but the conversation that goes on around mental health is so much more open now than it was I guess when you were younger when I certainly when I was younger that do you do you think that that will make a difference that they're able to talk about it perhaps with maybe one or two people around them yeah I, I, I really hope so yeah yeah I really hope that's that's the thing and 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 one way I think for to, to encourage um you know young boys to do that is is for is for parents and teachers who see the value in it to to try and bring that side out of them because I don't think it's it's probably something that doesn't come very naturally to anybody because you know your your emotional response to things and um you know just your your emotions and feelings are so huge and and so internal and so complicated and contradictory and everything it's for for someone who's really young to try and articulate that sort of thing it's going to be it's going to be virtually impossible and it's it's something that it's something that from a very young age everybody you know boys and girls um don't don't do i don't think because because it's too big and it's too personal and it's too it doesn't feel real it feels like something within like the real world's out here and what's going on with me is is what's in here um Mm. um but but yeah absolutely like the you know the the idea that we need to be open about our feelings and everything is 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 something that is sort of been unanimous, unanimously agreed is is the right thing to do now it's it's you know mm. i feel like and that's happened in the last in the last few years and it's it's a really great great step and it's happened at a, a right time you know when life's become so complicated in the information age and all that sort of thing you know the people are just so confused and so being pulled in every direction and and being divided constantly if there's so much more pressure now I think um do you feel there's been a, a, a kind of refocus as well on the importance of good mental health because of the pandemic because I certainly feel from my perspective that you know we were able to kind of you know with within my friends or people I was talking you know we realized quite early on that this was one of the 
side effects of the lockdown was how hard it was on our mental health Mm. and then slowly it feels like the conversations I guess in the media in in the the public realm have really been all over that and and everyone's talking a lot more now about the the mental health cost do you do you agree with that is that something you feel has been ramped up because of the pandemic yeah absolutely definitely um and it's you know it's it's both a good thing and a worrying sign of the times you know um the one the one thing i i will say about it is um you know the thing thing that i've learned about the mental health conversation or talking about mental health over the last few years is that um there's still a resistance to to actually talking about it there's a lot of talking about talking about it so what what we what we what we're doing right now is talking about talking about it, yeah. you know, and it's very easy to think yeah. like, okay, yeah, yeah. so yeah, we're we're discussing mental health. It's like, well, not really. We're talking about the the, the concept really, because the, and the resistance comes from the fact that when you do crack yourself open and reveal the, the sort of, there's a there's a shame about it, you know. For, for me, anyway, mm. you know, if I to to really talk about mental yeah. health is to really really be be honest, and and when you're really honest. And, and sort of give a label to the big emotions, things like p- words like for me, yeah. words like pathetic, weak, um, uh, ashamed, fearful. All, all of these mm. are all the, the things that if I was to really talk about when I'm having yeah. a bad mental health day, you know, I, if I was really honest, I'd say I feel I feel really, you know, sort of emasculated and I feel really pathetic at the moment. I feel like, you know, everyone around me hates me, all this stuff. It just to even say it as an example then it, it it's it's really horrible to say and and yes we're talking about mental health now but to actually do something about it like because because the, the the thing is like when you start using those sorts of terms and you start talking to someone else and using those big words you can see the rec- you know people recognize it in, in each other and, and when bridges are built like that that's that's the power yeah. i think we're getting there i think i think you're you're so right and it's it's so hard to talk about those things because that, there's so much shame and that's the stigma, right? Yeah. And that's what is not going to be broken down in, you know, it, it might take our lifetimes, who knows? But I, th- I feel like as a society, we're on that path. We are. And Absolutely, one of the yeah. things that Lucy and I talked about, um, uh, that actually one of the aspects that used to be shamed, people didn't talk about it, um, that that was opened up because of the pandemic was loneliness and yeah. people used to I certainly would feel if I felt lonely I would never yeah. admit it because I thought it was embarrassing to admit yeah. that you felt lonely like oh I'm not popular people don't like me so therefore if I'm feeling lonely it's because I'm a sort of loser basically mm-hmm. but actually when people were locked down and isolated and not able people started talking about it how lonely they felt mm-hmm. uh, you know and I thought wow this is this is actually really good because it's taking that stigma yeah yeah and acknowledging the, the essential business of tiny connections and we, we all we all lost a little bit of a layer of skin you know we all became so much more vulnerable and I think you know that's what you're I, I think that's what I'm hearing you say Jake is that the sort of it's a what's yeah. so important is to be able to be vulnerable is to take that step and just to open your vulnerability up a tiny tiny bit which you know I mean which is what your book does. I mean, it makes you very, very vulnerable from the start in a very kind of, in a mm. way that's funny. So it's not kind of, it's not like you're bleeding everywhere, but it's like you are open and honest. And Yeah, well, I, I agree. And I did try and, 
both in the book, I tried to be honest, but in, in a sort of maybe slightly more palatable or accessible way. You know, I, I, I'm a very firm believer in, um, you know, that talking about feelings and stuff shouldn't be uh, right chairs into the middle of the room, TV off. Like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna really talk about. We're gonna really focus on you because there's pressure there. Mm, um, yeah, there's yeah, pressure yeah. to do it. You know what? What, what I really love is is for is no, for that. Scary type of conversation to start happening when you're in in, having a good time with someone who you really trust and who you really do you know what I mean like if if I'm having a conversation with someone if I'm around someone's house not that that happens at the moment but eventually and and we're having you know whatever lunch and then the conversation happens to go on to how we're doing and 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 life and that sort of thing those those that's that's where those moments are where 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 we can build bridges and and and, you know it's um it's a really really powerful thing and it's something that i it's something that i encountered a lot when i was on the walk because it's you know it's a sort of transient existence that i had where i was sort of breezing in and out of people's lives likely to never see or speak to them again yeah and there was this was it afforded them a certain amount of comfort in in being really open with me and and it took it took yeah that that those sorts of situations for me to realize that this is this is stuff that we you know that the majority of us these insecurities and the feeling of being a loser and being pathetic and stuff like we we all have that but yeah it, it's um and you're right we are yeah. we are moving towards um a, a a place where yeah everyone everyone sort of decided now that that and agreed that, that we need to be more open about our feelings and stuff there just has to be there is still that little bit of stigma there yes. when it comes to certain um, you know the, the the true soul bearing where you use these big kind of damning words but uh, but we're definitely on the tr- on the right track yeah I mean Jake I could talk to you we could both talk to you for hours and and there's a list of things I wanted to talk to you about on the book and I haven't even like I don't think I've even scratched the surface but oh, we're gonna have to gonna have to leave it there um much as I would love to upload a five-hour podcast episode I'm not sure that um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's uh, it's going to be that feasible for people. To yeah. to. Um, look, thank you so 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 much for talking thank you to so us much today. for having me. I've really enjoyed this. It's been lovely to meet you both and talk to you. Both. Oh, you too. Oh, good, good. Cool. All right, right. So to talk to you, Jake. Look forward to um, look forward to yeah, seeing what happens with the book and and everything. But it's brilliant and thank and you very you know, much. congratulations. Cheers. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right, have a great day, guys. See you later. You too. Oh, Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to How to Cope with Becky Howard and Lucy Clyde. If you enjoyed these podcasts, please rate them and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And tell your friends. Thanks for listening to How to Cope. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.